0: Hey, hey! welcome to another version of the Pastor Duke podcast back in the uh, little sanctuary here in East Greenbush, New York. Thank you, Pastor John Westfall for setting me up and using your studio. And, um, I just hope to be a blessing to you, uh, today. Those of my listening audience, thank you for tuning me in. It looks like about 5,000 of you listen every week and, uh, Uh, You make me so happy. I hope to be a blessing today. I'm excited. I've had God visit me, showed up. Uh, Oh my goodness, can't wait to share it with you. Uh, We just got back from uh, our winter in Florida. Uh, We spent a week in uh, South Carolina, a few days in Alabama, visiting our granddaughter, who is going to Bible College at Highlands College in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And so i remember back to high school one of my great friends dallas waggle we were both lost partying until we well anyway in the art class we're talking and dallas waggle says uh to me we're like buzzed and messed up about 1971 he goes uh god is the ultimate man and uh he's not kidding uh and soon after that uh at graduation, Jesus comes, knocks on the door of my heart. A Few years later, knocked on the door of Dallas's heart. He came to Christ. He's a preacher today, and uh, we kind of hooked at the hip forever. So God bless you, Dallas Waggle. Love you, man. And uh, you were so right. God is the ultimate. You know, and as it's, it, it's you know, you get saved, and Christ comes into your heart, and and uh, you're on mission now. But the ultimate in life is just experiencing. God in everyday life, and we know he loves us because he said so, and I mean, Christ sort of went to the cross for us, died, buried, was rose again, and he sends his spirit to knock on the door of our heart. We know that Jesus loves us, he's coming again, but you know, along the way, the ultimate is just experiencing God, and that happened uh, to myself and Joellen here just uh, recently. And uh, I'm gonna kinda be superimposing my story over a story in the book of Genesis chapter 24, where Abraham is trying to find a wife for his son, Isaac. Now it's interesting. I I love this. It takes 31 verses to create the entire universe, but it takes, uh, I think it's 64 verses uh, 67 verses for uh, God to get a wife for uh, for Isaac. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and what we see from this chapter is that God was getting involved in the everyday nitty gritty areas of our lives. And that is so awesome. You know, Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even in the, the world. And, and we know he's with us, but sometimes he just flat out shows up and you know, it's him. And that is, you know, I've only had a handful of these huge moments in my whole life in in a 51-year journey with Jesus. Man, I just had one, and I can't wait to share it with you. So, back to the text. Abraham, you know, the whole drama of of having a son, you know, 25-year wait, finally Isaac's born, and they messed up a little bit along the way with Ishmael, father of the Arab people, ever thorn in the side of the Jewish people. So all that drama, and you had the uh, willingness of Abraham to offer up Isaac on the altar on Mount Moriahs later became the temple mount. It <laughs> is a sacred site, been there many times. And, um, and then, you know, just the drama of God moving now, Isaac's 40 years old, never had a date making dad a little bit nervous. And those are the days where, you know, guys were kind of getting married, maybe, uh, you know, 18, 2022. 20, and, um, He's forty years old. Never had a date, as far as we know. So, Dad's got to raise it. Uh, go for it and go for the juggler. Got to get this guy a wife, and that's what the whole twenty-fourth chapter of Genesis is about. So, I'm just going to paraphrase it rather than read it, and I'm going to superimpose an experience I had and Joellen and I had together uh, very recently upon our relocation and uh, try to bring you in some of the drama of that because God is an awesome God and uh, we know the way God works. And so here's Abraham kind of at the end of the road for him. You know, God's going to make me a great, mighty nation, and I got one kid, one legitimate kid, and of course, Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab people off to the side, but he's got one legitimate kid, Isaac, for a nation to come from, and uh, things weren't looking so good. This kid's 40 years old, now mama's dead, and uh, he he sends out his servant uh, to uh, to find a wife, this is like a needle in a haystack. Uh, <laughs> so he, he gives all these instructions, like about uh, eight or ten uh, verses, that uh, are the specific details for the servant to to look for. And the servants, you know, writing all this down. And it, you know, it's like 10 verses. Why? It's such a long chapter. You got to go to this area and look for this family line and uh, look for this this girl. Uh, and, it, and the servant is a patient, but the servant is a believer, a follower in the God of Abraham, and now Isaac soon to be and Jacob. So he's a believer, but he's got kind of a, a rough job to do. And so he's got the instructions and, and he goes, he, he heads up to what would be, uh, Syria today. And, uh, he he's got these instructions and he's like, Oh my goodness, I need a miracle. This is crazy, but you know, God is with Abraham. And so, uh, I I'm in. So he goes <laughs> and, uh, as you read into the chapter, he, he has no clue exactly if, is this the right place? Uh, is this, but God has the right guy at the right place at the right time. He comes across this well. He needs to, you know, water up. And there's a, a gal coming with a, a group of sheep, and uh, he's kind to her. And it would be in those days kind of dangerous for a girl to run into a stranger, but he's a good guy. And he helps her, and, and they start chit-chatting. And all of a sudden, he, I like to call him the Jesus heebie-jeebies. He begins to get that sense like, oh, my goodness, I am on an impossible mission. And, you know, uh, Abraham's an old dude now, and he wants his son to have a wife, and he's sending me on this journey. And he realizes in this Abrahamic covenant thing, what I'm doing is part of, you know, world history to come. He kind of has that sense of destiny. This is not just, hey, I gotta go find a woman. He's got the dowry, the the money, the payment, and it just seems so impossible. So he runs across this gal, (laughs) kind of at the last minute, And there she is. And he starts uh, helping her, start chit-chatting. And she asks him, well, what what are you doing here? He says, well, and he begins to tell a story. I'm a servant of a guy named Abraham It was from this area. And and when she hears the word Abraham, this is Rebecca, she's like, oh, my goodness, I know that name. And so uh, there's like some contact being made here. (laughs) And there's like an aha moment especially for the servant and also for her, he gives all these details. I'm sitting here. I'm looking for this, uh, this general region. I think I'm here. I'm looking for this, uh, family. And I I believe they'll have a a daughter that we're looking for. And as he begins to spill this out, Rebecca has that aha moment. Oh my goodness. Uh, That's my family. Uh, That young girl is me. And, and the servant just like, oh, my goodness, this is fantastic. Well, you got to come back and meet my family, which he gladly did. So Abraham gives all these details. And then he goes down, and he meets Rebecca, and he gives all these details again. And then she takes him to the family, meets Laban. And uh, and says, "Oh, you're from the uh, Abraham servant? Yeah, man, he left years ago. How's it going? And well, he had a son, and looking for a wife for his son. And Laban has that uh, that sense of destiny as he listens to the servant spell out." the story and the servant says, just kind of pulls that whole list of details out again. It's like the third time. That's why this chapter is so long. He gives the details, gives the details, gives the details. What we're going to see here is that God is in the details and you don't always know it <laughs> while it's happening. You kind of hope so. You kind of think so. You you claim his promises. You're trusting that he will guide you And, uh, but you don't always have that keen awareness that he is with you, even though he says so, but there's those moments where I call them smooches where it's just the, the touch of God where, you know, it's his hand. And so Laban is listening to this and he goes, oh my goodness, this is a this is a miracle and and the guy said you know Abraham sent me here to make a request to your family uh, for uh, your daughter's hand in marriage and Laban's like uh, I love his response he said I'm paraphrasing this dude th- this is a no-brainer this is none other than the hand of God ha <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about. And those of you who know and love my Lord Jesus Christ, you, you, we live for this. And God is into this, man. He is in the details. And so he, he makes the proposal. And here's, here's the dowry, which would be, you know, the camels and the, the garments and the money. It was, it was the custom of the day it was kind of their social security system. So the father gives his daughter's hand in marriage and Rebecca's there. She's wide eyed. And I mean, can you imagine, here's a stranger comes. My dad say stranger from Pittsburgh, (laughs) really uh, from Canaan, not not from Pittsburgh. And uh, she listens. There's gotta be buy-in on her part and her, her father's in favor and she buys in and she realizes this is no Kuinky dink. this is a touch of God. God brought this servant of Abraham and he's kin to us and holy cow sight unseen no pictures <laughs> can't go to Instagram or Facebook and get pictures and and just just knowing that it's God. That's all it took. She buys in and uh, they they say initially, hey uh, can, uh, we give us about 10 days to have a going away party and get all the family and friends in. And, and the servants kind of add No, I got to get back. I got to get back. And she's like, okay. And they give the dowry and just, I think it was like the next day, they had a party that night. Next day they're heading back. And Isaac's got a wife 67 <laughs> verses to get him a woman, but God was in it. And you see God was gave Abraham, he gave the servant, he gave Rebekah, he gave her father Laban, he gave those people whom he loved the absolute full assurance that he was in this. They knew it was none other than the hand of God. That is so important. I remember back when uh, I was first saved, God called me to preach, went away to Bible college. I had uh, some godly professors. I don't know if they colluded or not, but I heard this from several uh, professors in Bible college. There are three things you need as a young preacher to have locked down absolutely for sure to be able to stand what you're getting into as a, as a preacher in the New Testament in the end of the ages of the church age. Number one, you need to know you are saved. And of course, Satan wants to make us unstable about that. These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Satan's going to try to mess us up on that. God wants us to know that He loves us. He's in our heart. He's never going to leave. He's never going to forsake us. Because if He can get messed up on that, then he can uh, Satan can kind of come in. Screw up our testimony and uh, take away all the good, great, fantastic, abundant things that God has in store for those who love him. Number two, you must know that you are called to preach. And uh, I've never doubted that. Sometimes i wondered why would God call me coming from my uh, ungodly background in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll world that I came out of. I was not a good boy. But grace is greater than all my sin. And I've never doubted for one second uh, my salvation. I've never d- doubted for one second my calling. And number three, you must know that you have married the right woman. (laughs) And boy, Satan will really go to work on people on this one. And uh, I had a classmate say, well, how do you know if you're married to the right woman or not? And the guy said, if you're married, that's the right woman. Look at it that way. And uh, God gave me that absolute full assurance. I could do a whole podcast on the miracle of how I know Joellen is the right woman for my life. And it's it's one of those divine intervention moments that I talk to you about. But today I want to focus in the one I just had, like last week. Because it's huge to Joellen, it's huge to me, it's huge. Because at age sixty-nine, we were not expecting to pull up roots from upstate New York, where we've been for forty-five years. It's the place God brought us. With absolute assurance, it is the place that God brought us to. And you know, number four, (laughs) number one, know you're saved. Number two, you know you're called. Number three, know you're married to the right woman. Number four, let me add one to that. I've known for forty-five years. I am absolutely in the right place where God wanted me to be. He gave evidence of that. We've never doubted it for a second. We expected to live out our days in upstate New York, never dreamed that we would be uh, leaving. Uh, and so God began to stir my heart our first trip to Florida for the winter, winter of 21. Uh, I was away for the first time from my ministry for 42 years then. I'm Pastor Duke from uh, Temple Baptist Church, now the church at Newtown Road. Pastor Matt succeeded me 13 years ago, but I'm still, you know, Pastor Emeritus there. I still do the seniors class. I'm hardly ever there on Sundays because I'm on the road traveling all around the area, uh, around the country. And so I was away for the first time Out from under the pressure of being pastor duke and even though i'm not on staff i don't draw a salary there uh we have some investments that get a little bit of remuneration for being on the road just a few thousand dollars a year but uh god is blessed take care of our needs we just expect to live out our days in new york i was in florida And God clearly spoke to me for the first time. I'm out from under the pressure of being Pastor Duke and the phone ringing all the time, which I love to do pastoral service and care for uh, people that have been my church members, you know, some of them for 45 years, uh, whom I love with all my heart. But now I'm podcasting. I put a lot of study into podcasting, probably 20 hours a week, and then the actual podcast. And I'm Pastor John Westfall's sidekick and co-host with him. And putting it all together, probably twenty-five hours a week podcasting. I continue to to study. Uh, I continue to travel around the country preaching. And so when um, I'm in New York, the phone is always ringing. Pastor Duke, can you come here? And can you marry us? Can you bury us? And I, I don't. This is not a complaint. It's just a reality. And it's it's almost impossible to do both and to do both well. And uh, you know, at my height, I'm ministering to 750 people a week in my pastoral ministry. Now I'm speaking to five 6,000 people a week through podcasting. I take it seriously. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning me in. So I was torn, and I got away from that in Florida, and God spoke to my heart and said, I'm, I'm going to take you out of New York so you can be who I want you to be now. And I was shocked by this, and my wife was like, are you sure? And uh, so I came home and told my pastor, now Pastor Matt Eaches, uh, that we probably are not going to be in New York for the duration, for the rest of our lives, as I had always thought I would be. So that's going back, uh, you know, a couple years ago. So we thought probably Florida would be the place. And then, uh, The next year as we're heading back to Florida for our second year, our son uh, shares with us that he and his wife and three kids are going to be moving to uh, the uh, South Carolina, just uh, below Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Rock Hill area. They're moving. He's going to get out of New York. He doesn't want his children to face the mandatory vaccines here in New York. Uh, We believe in some vaccines. Uh, We're not anti-vaxxers. We're just cautionary vaxxers. We He just done with doing small business in New York and the complications that was, and he just decided we're moving south. Um, sold his uh, uh, rental properties, sold his business, sold his house, and uh, last uh, summer moved south. So Joel and I began to think, well, instead of going to Florida and then maybe just summering in New York, uh, we're going to relocate. In South Carolina, it'd be close to our son, our daughter-in-law, and our three grandbabies, ages six and a half, four and a half, and two and a half. There, uh, they had lived with us upstairs for uh, the previous two and a half years. We got addicted to those kids, and so our uh, destination from leaving New York, maybe to Florida, became leaving. Uh, New York to go to South Carolina to be with these kids and still doing about eight weeks in Florida. We, we love Florida. We got a great church there. Uh, Maybe recently you heard the podcast with uh, Pastor Dwayne Kitchens, our Florida pastor. We love that church. We love Pastor Dwayne. Great people of God. So we, we still want to spend some time in Florida, but uh, we're moving to South Carolina. Well, that really began 16 months ago. Here comes the drama. We got to find a house. Well, we have assets locked up in land, locked up in real estate. It's not liquid. Well, in order to buy a house or to build a house, you got to cash in your assets. Well, that's easier said than done. The drama begins. 16 months ago, we got to find a house in South Carolina. Well, we put some land up for sale, and we found uh, buyers immediately. And months went by, and it didn't happen. Complications on. Their part not in mine but we waited we waited we really couldn't build we really couldn't buy until <laughs> we got some cash and long story short, second buyers come up, more complications. Finally, uh, I think it was February 10th, this past February, that we did the transaction. We got that chunk of money in the bank so we could begin seriously to buy. Along the way, our best friends, uh, Larry, Marion and DeNovo, we call Ground Zero. They moved down. That's my son's in-laws, <laughs> lifetime friends. Some of you know uh, all of us. So we wanna be near them. They built a new house in a brand new subdivision. We secured a lot. We could build there too. We thought, well, that's probably what we're gonna do. But as the time, uh, as we waited to get our money and decide what we're gonna build, we found out working with the builder, he couldn't build the house that my wife wanted. And um, our our financial uh, well-being that we're, we're comfortable with now, God has provided our needs abundant, we're thankful really comes through an amazing woman that God called to be my wife, Miss Joellen. Uh, She was industrious uh, along the way. Uh, God uh, raised up our church. Our church paid me uh, a a good salary, met all of our needs, built our dream house. But my wife uh, was industrious. She plugged away, got her education. She learned sign language, became an interpreter for the deaf, uh, began to generate some money that took us from just, you know, just our needs being met to having a little bit more and we paid for our children's education with her money while she was signing she found out she she had her degree uh, her bachelor's degree from SUNY Albany uh, in studio art and um, the providence of God some leadership came from a principal where she signed in the public school said well why don't you teach you'll make a lot more money I don't have all the classes I need he introduced her CLEP tests where you already have your degree but you need these certain uh, courses that you didn't have you can pay a certain amount of money it's less per than it would have been to take the classes you uh, do the study you take the test and you clep out those courses she did it like 13 credit hours and she got her certification to teach in the providence of God, <laughs> only a few months later, she got hired at Shenandoah School, which is her, the dream job for an art teacher about eight minutes from our house, and she was making really good money, and we invested. So... Uh, because of her industry her getting her bachelor's degree her getting certified her clepping those tests and then after she got her job at Shenandoah, uh, she went on and got her master's degree because New York State requires that so she just studied 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 got her master's degree worked 20 years in the taught 20 years of public school system and made a bunch of money that we invested and so those are the investments that we're cashing in to build this house and so Thank you, God, for an industrious woman. Proverbs 31, heart of her husband does trust in her safely. Uh, I'm like a lot of you guys. I'm married up. You know, beautiful women are w- willing to marry ugly men if we get close enough to Jesus. And that's my story. And I love this woman. I'm proud of her. And she, um, the excess that we have. To buy this house without a mortgage is, is because of her industry. And, and she knew what she wanted. And uh, the builder couldn't build what she wanted. And the cost to build was going to be like $243 a square foot. And that's a lot of money. And so the house that we kind of came upon that she would have... Uh, it didn't even meet our desires, but it was going to be, uh, $585,000 and it didn't have a deck and it didn't have the brick and it didn't have, uh, the, uh, a whole bunch of the things that we wanted, the outdoor living space. And, uh, but it was a nice lot. And, um, it was going to take seven to eight months to build. Our house is on the chopping block. We have people interested in buying our house, which means we are going to be homeless. <laughs> yeah, I'm a guy, you know, I can fly by the seat of my pants. Give can be a cardboard box, a sleeping bag, and a bag of chips. I'm good, but my wife's not wired that way. She wants to know where she's going to live. And so we're we're counting down the months. It started 16 months ago. We're house shopping. She looks every day on Zillow. We have a uh, real estate gal looking out for us in uh, our area in Rock Hill, uh, South Carolina. And almost every day we're looking at houses. And I'm, I'm telling you, don't torture yourself. And we find houses that we like, but they're way too far away from our ground zero to be near our son, to be near uh, the De Novos. And if I'm going to be traveling the country, I don't want her to be home alone 30, 40 minutes away from anybody that we know. And so this drama began 16 months ago. Do we build and be home homeless for a while, uh, not really get the house that we want and spend a whole bunch of money. Maybe we could get more for our money if we build and she's shopping every day and nothing, nothing, nothing. And so the months are are going by and this is our last year in Florida, uh, until, you know, we're going to be homeless. And I told her along the way, I know how God works. And we've lived this before. God doesn't park the waters until the feet of the priest, get in the water, and the Egyptian army's breathing down your neck. For us, the Egyptian army was homelessness. He waits to the end, and then he does something so clear that you know it's him. And it happens suddenly, and it's clear. I said, that's how it'll happen. Because <laughs> I read the Bible, and that's what I see in the scripture. But there's always those seeds of doubt, and we wait, and that, boy, we're coming down to the end now. It's our last Sunday in Florida. I'm in church, and during the worship time, God spoke to me. And I, God speaks to me every day when I read his word, and that's it. Not You know, 99.9% of the time, I just read God's word, he speaks to me, and that's it. I've never heard an audible voice, but about three or maybe four times in my life, it's almost like he spoke to me. And I had one of those experiences our last Sunday in church. God spoke to me, said, Duke, I love Joel more than you do. I know her sacrifice. I'm going to give her her dream, her dream house. She's worked for it. I'm going to bless her. It's the last minute. You know how I work. Trust me. And man, I mean, it overwhelmed me. I started crying and, and I was, I was blessed. And I it's like, thank you, Lord. I know it. I know it. I know it. And it was, it's as clear as almost audible. So on the way out from church, I told Joanne about it. She was not as impressed as I was because it wasn't God speaking to her. It was God speaking to me and she loves me. And it, I think she enjoyed me saying that, but it wasn't so real to her. Well, four more days later, it's our last night in Florida. Uh, she comes to me with the, uh, the little text, the, the, the iPad. It says, Duke, look at this house. Now I've heard her say this four or five times a day for 16 months. I don't even want to hear this, but there was something different in her voice. And, and I caught it, and she showed me the house, and I could see on the screen its location 2.8 miles from ground zero, 2.8 miles closer to my son than the, even the de novos. It's like the perfect place, the perfect neighborhood, the perfect price, the perfect house. She'd show me all these houses, and there's just a look to the house that she wants. And it had the look, and I had that aha uh-huh, like this is it and i remembered sunday morning when god spoke to me and and here's the house it's the last sunday it's the last night and i i told her call the real estate gal in the morning we're putting a bid on this house and so she was a little hesitant like well uh, yeah. but in the morning 7 13 a.m we sent a text to our real estate gal we want to make a bid and then she called us we she recommended a bid it was about ten thousand under the asking price and so we settled on that. We we made the we were prepared to make the bid. She did some research. She found out that same day the house is going to be shown. And then the next day there was open house. Five more couples were coming. She called us back and said, if this is the house you want, raise the bid to whatever it's worth to you. We raised the bid to an offer $15,000 above the asking price, which is par for the course of houses being sold in this area, sight unseen. My wife won't buy a pair of shoes until she's been to every store in town to make sure this is the, and now she's going to buy a house, (laughs) sight unseen from pictures off Zillow. We made the bid and said, we prayed about it and said, Lord, if you're in it, give us the house. And if not, We'll just trust you. But we were going to be in South Carolina. We were going to look at four houses that Joanne thought were really nice, but they weren't where they needed to be. And this one didn't have this one. This one didn't have that. And it was like we weren't excited about any of these houses. But the option is heading back to New York homeless. And so Saturday morning she makes the bid at uh, nine o'clock. They were going to show the house at noon and the open house on Sunday and maybe Monday or Tuesday, we'd find out, well, God moved Three thirty that afternoon. We got a call. The house is under contract. They accepted our bid. And, uh, we're not going to be homeless. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we'd not seen the house yet, just pictures. And so we go to New York or we go up to South Carolina, Alabama, then to South Carolina, A real estate gal meets us and they take us into our new home. And I wish I had on videotape my wife's face as she walked into her new house. Thank you, Jesus. He got involved in the everyday things of our life. The perfect it was a needle in the haystack, just like Abraham's servant, needle in the haystack. The last minute, Abraham's getting is fixing to die. He's an old dude now. And um, as God showed up against all odds, found the needle in the haystack with Rebecca for Isaac. He did the same thing for Joelle and gave her her dream house. Now a couple smooches on top of that, this couple accepted our bid. They could have been a bidding war. It's like, wow, uh, let's see what the other couple, uh, today and five couples tomorrow, what are they going to do? But they didn't, they accepted the bid. And for the price that we, we, uh, had offered, we got the dream house. So, we're there to, uh, to visit. We meet the neighbor, and I looked in the back. There was a chicken house I thought was in his backyard. I said, are you allowed to have chickens here? I see a chicken house in your backyard. He goes, nope, it's not in my backyard. It's in yours. <laughs> How about that? Those of you that know that I'm a hippie farmer preacher, I got a brand-new chicken house. Joanne gets a new house. I get a chicken house. I think I'm as happy as she is. So that was a little smooch for me. God was in it for me as well. But uh, the look on my bride's face when she uh, walked into her dream house, oh, my goodness, worth a billion dollars to me. And the Lord was smiling and said, Duke, 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 I love her more than you do. I know what she wants. I know all the hard work she put into this. This is me. This is how I roll. Waited to the last second, gave you exactly what she dreamed about. Now, here's the last smooch for, for the whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> Till now, uh, our, our last night in South Carolina before we're heading back home uh, to, uh, to New York to pick up our stuff. In 35 days now, we, we head south. My, uh, my daughter-in-law uh, calls us, said, are you sitting down? She goes, I have a story for you. So we sat down, and she began to tell us. Uh, her uh, daughter, my granddaughter, Giovanna, is in a little uh, kindergarten class. There's like 14 students in this uh, Christian school. And um, they're having end-of-the-year uh, festivity, some kind of a, a party, and some of the moms are there. And my, uh, my daughter-in-law, Jocelyn, has her name, Jocelyn Hergett, my granddaughter, Giovanna Hergett. And one of the mothers in the class comes to uh, Jocelyn, and they met, and they start talking, and they just kind of hit it off. And the gal saw Jocelyn's last name. And she said to my daughter-in-law, Do you know a Joellen Hergett? And Jocelyn's like, "Uh, yes, that's my mother-in-law. And the lady just kind of got emotional, like, oh, my goodness, we just sold our house to your in-laws. And it was a devout Christian young couple praying for God's will to who would have their home. And since then, we've written back and forth, and it's like we already love one another. But they didn't want to leave the dream house he got a job transfer that he couldn't say no to and they were only in the house two years it was too brand new when they moved in the house is only two years old and so they were praying on their end we were praying on on our end and it turns out their twin boys were in the class with my granddaughter 14 kids three of them were part of this real estate deal are you kidding me and jesus says Dude, I get involved in everything you're doing. I'm right there. What a God! What a Savior! How that comforts me. How it comforts. How it comforts my bride as we are in this uh, stage. uh, We never dreamed of uh, leaving the state of New York. Uh, Never dreamed of trans leaving ever and now we just know uh where god wants us to be his hand is on us, and it's a blessing i'm glad i could share it with you today jesus is with us he wants us to know his perfect will and just as sure as i was when we came to new york that's another podcast as sure as i know that god brought joellen into my life we know that the same guy who brought us here is moving us on now. That comforts us. And uh, Joanne gets a brand new house. Everything she dreamed about. I get a new chicken house. How cool is that? This Jesus, when he says he loves you, he ain't kidding. Isn't he awesome? Hey, thanks for tuning me in once again. God bless you. See you next time. Bye-bye for now.